from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Brand. And welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, and we are on Sirius XM Channel 111. Hey, if it's Thursday, we are live, and you can give us a call right now at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You got a question on your career? Now is the time to reach us. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and I am here with the Dream Team, Michelle and Dion, for the next hour, taking all of your calls on how to land that job you've been after. So give us a call, 844-WHARTON, that's 844-942-7866, or you can also tweet your questions at Dr. Don Graham, and hey, if you're listening and it's not Thursday, if you tune in regularly to our replays and you can't call, we would love to still have your questions, so don't forget to tweet them at Dr. Don Graham. So, it's February, holy cow, when did that sneak up on us? If your goal for this year is to get a new career, well, time to get started. To help us with that topic, we welcome back one of our favorite guests. Tom Gimbel is the founder and CEO of LaSalle Network, which is a staffing, recruiting, and human resources consulting firm based in Chicago. Tom's expertise lies in career development and how businesses can successfully hire. He's been featured on several media channels, including the Today Show, Fox Business, and CNBC. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Good to be with you, Dawn. With compliments like that and introduction, I'll come on anytime you want. Well, great. What are you doing next Thursday? (laughs) What are you doing next Thursday, Tom? So, uh, no, I'm I'm super excited because it's also, you know, it's Thursday, it's Groundhog Day. Um, So, if you've heard the news this morning, you know we're in for six more weeks of winter. Um, I did hear the news. Yes. I did hear the news. So, uh, you know, in, <laughs> in the spirit of Groundhog's Day, I had to do a little research on this. And over the past 24 hours, I've learned more about this than I want to know. But, hey, do you know how many times, Tom, in the last 100 years, the groundhog actually did not see his shadow, which meant early n- spring? I do not know that. No, venture a guess, though, because that's what makes the show fun. I would say 25 times. You know, lower. 16 16. Really? And, you know, most of that has been in the last about 30 years, which... It's been a pretty mild winter. I mean, I'm in Chicago. It's been a pretty mild winter here, so I'm okay with the uh, with six more weeks. Yep. So so throughout the show, I might sprinkle in a little groundhog trivia um, just to, you know... Any from the movie or no? Or just no, none is from the movie. This is actual real stuff, you know, like okay. real life, not, not what okay. happens in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'm going to kick it off with one. Okay, true or false, Tom? Groundhogs are herbivores. False. No, that is true. They are vegetarians just like me. So, uh-huh. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? There's lots more where that came from. So <laughs> if you want to hang up now, I understand. <laughs> no, no, no. no I'm good. Hey, we're friends. I'm good with it. <laughs> okay. So what I thought I'd talk about today, it's interesting, Tom, because I... Um, 
I, I run a job search group and you know those questions that come up that that aren't really like huge questions that everybody asks but they're those those little I call them fall between the cracks questions that people might not have an opportunity to ask somebody because they just they don't know who to ask or they just don't have that person who would have the knowledge I thought today it'd be fun to talk about those little fall between the cracks questions because we've all had them and I want to give listeners an opportunity if you had that kind of question that you think maybe just a little weird or, you know, I've had this happen to me. I had no idea what to do. We want to hear from you at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So one of the ones that came up, Tom, is um, just recently I, I sent an application with a major typo. So should I resubmit it? Should I just let it go? Should I explain it if I get an interview? What do I do? Well, if you get the interview, you've you've overcome it and it probably um – to acknowledge it when you're there, I don't have a problem with. If you don't, if you don't get the interview, give it a period of time, whether that's two weeks or three weeks, and then resubmit your resume and cover letter. Um, you know that that's really the big challenge, though, the expression of you don't get a a second chance to make a first impression and a big typo. I guess a little typo would be missing a comma or a period, and a big typo would be spelling a word wrong or omitting omitting words from a sentence. So those are big issues. And, and at the end of the day, if there's somebody who's got a similar skill set and didn't do that, that's why they're going to get the job. Yeah, and it's it's so interesting because. Um, I've seen this so much, and this is what I consider a big typo, but I, but it happens frequently. So people submit a cover letter that they've just repurposed, and you know the company is is Google, and they say Facebook, and they just leave everything in there yep. from. And it's my biggest pet peeve. Really? Yep. Because you've taken the time to customize your cover letter for a company, right? So you're focused. You've got laser precision. You know you want to work at Facebook, and you put that in your objective but you don't have the attention to detail and the wherewithal to customize it again for the next one, right? You're, it says, I, I like the shiny thing, but I'm not going to get detailed enough to make the changes. It, it's my, I don't, quite frankly, I don't like objectives. I like summaries. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Just for that reason, because objectives are you're, you're playing to somebody's, you think you're playing to what they want instead of giving them what you know, and what you know is yourself. Yep. And when you put an objective, you're trying to position something, and then they go, oh, you, you know, you've been looking for an executive-level position in a service business. And then somebody says, well, i got in a great position that your skill set would be terrific for in a distribution company. Oh, I'd like that, too. <laughs> well, you pigeonholed yourself a little bit. Why, why, you know, why are you doing that? Because is that how you're going to run, run your division? Is that how you're going to be in your job? Are you going to be the exact same way? So I, I totally agree with you. Objective, so so 10 years ago, maybe longer. Um, yep. Summary is where it's at. And one of the reasons I tell this to, to job seekers, in addition to the exact reason you just said, is that the companies don't care what you want. They care what they want, and they care what you can do for them. So if the first thing on your resume is, hey, here's what I want, I mean, that's not very appealing because they're in a job search. They're here to offer you a salary. They're here to... Um, bring you on board to do a service. So why not start with, here's what I have and what it can do for you, which in some ways accomplishes the same thing as an objective. No, you're right. You're done. You're 100. I, I agree with you. And I, and what we're looking at is in the mid-90s, and really with the advent of more technology and more college graduates, it went from being uh, the interview of being the employer dominating it to the employee having it at the very best 50, at the very least 50-50, right? If I'm interviewing you uh, as an employee, potential employee as much as you're interviewing me. 
And that was really the first time that happened was in the in the mid 90s, I mean, in the late 80s in finance. But really, it became something more common in the 90s that the, the potential employee was interviewing the, the company. However, at the end of the day, the company is the one that writes the check. And the employee has to realize that they have got to demonstrate that they can add value and either create, cre- uh, create revenue, reduce costs, add intrinsic value, what have you, to this company. And they have to show that from the get-go. Yep, it has to be the opening line. And I tell people that the major difference between the people who get hired and the ones that don't is that they frame all of their skills and experience in terms of how it will benefit the employer or the role or the department. And it's a really simple switch. Instead of saying, here's what I have, here's what I want, here's what I'm passionate about, it's it's taking whatever those those things are and saying, because I can do X, and because I'm I'm passionate about Z, this is how it's going to benefit this role. Very Absolutely. subtle, but important. Hey, you got to tell the story. Yeah, it's exactly, exactly. You have to inspire something in me to say, "Wow, if I bring this person in, you're going to solve my problems." Check, <laughs> done, <laughs> done. You're going to get all this work off my plate. Um, I think it's a psychological thing too, because if you come in and you dump all these skills at me, I, I did this, and I have this, and I, my GPA is that, and I you know scored this. Okay, so now I leave the interview and I'm like, I have this pile of skills and I have a lot of work to do now to figure out how do I put this into a way that's going to you know, figure out how to solve my problems. But if you do that for me in the interview and say, this is how this is going to apply to this and I could see this working for this, I walk out of that interview, I've got no work to do. I already see the clear path between what you're doing and what I need. So I walk out of there feeling relief, not stressed out. Absolutely. You want to, you want that. You, what people realize, have to realize is as the candidate, you want the employer to say, wow, right? That person's really sharp. I could see that person helping me grow my department, mm-hmm. my company, and not about saying, oh, I really like them. Right? If I had anything to do with it, my mom would be at my company. Right? That, that, that's not what we're at. You didn't hire your mom, Tom? <laughs> I don't huh? like to fire family. Oh. <laughs> oh, we're going to have you back on for Mother's Day. I think that yeah, would be a good go. show. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I totally agree with that. Um, so, if you're out there, one major difference you can make, whether it's your resume or LinkedIn or how you interview, is be sure to frame everything you communicate, every skill, every experience, every interest in terms of how it benefits the company. Yes, you have to do some research on your side to, to figure out what the biggest pain points are, but that's what gets you in the door. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk, and we are taking your calls all hour long, 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Got a question you've always wanted to ask but haven't been able to get through? Now is the time to call. If it's Thursday, we are live at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Tom Gimbel, one of the most fun guests and one of the most knowledgeable guests. He is the founder and CEO of LaSalle Network, which is a staffing, recruiting, and human resources consulting firm based in Chicago. Chicago, and we are talking about all those little fall through the crack problems. So, okay, so Tom, you mentioned that your biggest pet peeve is when somebody addresses the the cover letter to the wrong company. So, in that case, if you've done that and you realize after you hit submit, is that something you should should change right away, or what should you do? Well, you've got to realize that it's going to be someone's going to see that, and you want to address it right away. Send another one in and say, my biggest strength. What I would do. Right. I would open up my my new cover letter and I would say my best strength is admitting my mistakes. 
Nice. I right. like it. <laughs> if there's an elephant in the room, we've got to attack it head on, and that's what people want. And you know, not to get into this, I know you won't go there, but it's, it's the biggest problem we have with politicians. They don't admit their mistakes, right? And it's the biggest problem we have in business is when something's go, someone's going down a rabbit hole, we throw more money at a problem, we hire more people. Sometimes you've got to admit, this isn't right. Let's alter the course. And if you do that on, an, on a cover letter or on a, on a resume, admit it and try to try to try to survive that and grow it right away. I wrote that down. My best strength is admitting my mistakes. <laughs> I love that. Right. I love that. So I'm going to spend the rest of the interview talking about how I do that and all the mistakes I've made. <laughs> and, <laughs> and here's the thing. If politicians did that, there, 24 hours of news would not be enough. Now yeah, would that's it? Probably, you're probably right. <laughs> so, okay, I have to take a little side time to once again test your groundhog knowledge. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Groundhogs are one of the dirtiest types of marmots, spreading disease and vermin. False. It is false. They actually are one of the cleanest animals. Honestly, the germs just seem to fall off them. They're like they're like walking Purell or something, apparently. So, hey, if you ever get encounter a groundhog, and this is important to me because I'm a germaphobe, so, you know. You need to know these things. There's some bad joke there, Don. Like, get your hands off my groundhog or something. I don't know. God. PG-13 show. Okay. <laughs> That's just, Okay, I wrote down my best strength is admitting my, my mistakes. Now my, my second one is get your hands off my my groundhog. Oh, my God. We're, we're It's only 10 minutes in. We're going downhill. Oh. All right. So what are some of those other fall-through-the-crack questions that people ask? So... Okay, this is an interesting one. Um, when the company asks for your social media access, so maybe they want to see your Facebook page. I've never had this happen to me, but apparently somebody um, in my group did. So I was yep. like, wow. Because if you say no, then all of a sudden they think, well, what do you have to hide? But, you know, they really don't have a right to see that. That's your, your personal information. So I guess the question is, are they clicking to follow you on Instagram or, or linking you in on LinkedIn or connecting, adding a friend on Facebook, or are they just trying to see what's there? Because what I, I've never seen that happen before either. What I have seen is people, is clients go and look on those. And if you block it and only keep it for your friends, you're fine. I've never had somebody say, give me your passwords. Or, or grant me access. If they can't see it, they can't see it. But you, you make a good point because I think people underestimate now that, that people have a thousand friends on Facebook and they say yes to every request. I mean, when you do the math and, you know, the, the exponential kind of connections, it's yep. not unlikely that somebody you're interviewing with or somebody in that company knows somebody who can access your Facebook. And that's not illegal. No, and I, and quite frankly, this isn't 15 years ago. I don't think people care as much. I mean, I know they don't because I do this for a living. And what used to be, oh, someone's holding a beer on Instagram or on Facebook, you know, 10 years ago. And today, it's everybody's out there. Everybody's got their stuff. I think where you have a bigger issue these days, um, and I keep coming back to it, so maybe I'm the problem, but <laughs> is, is you can offend people with your, with your political leanings one yes. way or another. If I, were, if I were looking for a job, I would be more concerned about my posts. And now the, the comeback today is, well, if somebody's going to be mad that I support Hillary or Trump or whatever, then I wouldn't want to work there. Okay, but then you can't be upset that you don't have a job either. And, so and, true. 
you know, sometimes it's the one area that I, I, I would be a little nervous on if I were looking for a job. Well, and, and Tom, you'll be you'll be happy or interested to hear that that's actually backed by research. Recent research where um, holding a beer or holding a drink used to, to, you know, be the, oh, my gosh, we're not hiring this person. Well, companies eventually realized that they couldn't hire anybody because right. who hasn't done that? Um, except if you're holding a PBR. And then they would say, no way. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> only in the only in the Northeast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um so now the research has shifted from they don't care if you're holding a beer. Most companies have happy hours and other things. Correct. So, I mean, how they've can got they a say? Ke- they keg in the kitchen. <laughs> exactly. So they realize, okay, maybe this isn't the best qualifier. So, But you're right. Politics and um, any type of, of kind of bias or, or, you know, things of that nature are what are getting people disqualified. And it's not even if you put it on your Twitter or whatever, it's if you like or share or any of that, the people are looking at this and making a decision. Yeah, I, I, there's no doubt about it. And now people may not go on the record and say that, but there is, I think what I see with the healthiest companies are, they want people of differing views and opinions internally. They don't want people proselytizing the the brand out there under that guise. And so have conversations, have diverse debates, but, but don't go out in the in social media and put things out there that you can never take back. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing is, is, is really harmful to whether it's companies and they've supported this, that, or the other candidate 20 years ago or candidates doing this that or the, you just got to realize and it's the same thing we tell our kids i have three teenagers that i tell my kids remember once you put it out there it's out there and you can't get it back and it's the same thing when we're looking for a career oh tom can you i am so i'm just gonna say this i'm so thankful i did not grow up in the age of camera oh phones. my goodness <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. <laughs> Be thankful for the little things, and that's one of them. Oh, I probably wouldn't have gotten into college, more or less got a job. <laughs> okay, we can we can definitely go there, but let's not. So, okay, so the other thing I will say is, aside from not putting political or racist or other things on mm-hmm. your profile, what has been shown to actually enhance your profiles, any kind of community service or volunteer work. So if you haven't put that on there and you do it, that and you're looking for a job, that might be something that kind of puts you over the edge. So, hey, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Tom Gimble, who is the founder and CEO of LaSalle Network. And we are taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Hey, it's already February. And if you have decided to make this the year you're going to get the best job ever, you are on the right channel because we are taking your calls and answering all of your job search questions for the entire hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Michelle's waiting to take your call. So, okay, so here is another one. Um, What if, and I've heard this a lot, your current or last boss, you know they're not going to give you a good reference. What do you do? Well, I think the biggest question I have is if I were coaching this person, I would say, why aren't they, right? And if your number one reason is because he or she is a jerk, you're you're part of the problem, not part of the solution, right? So we all have interactions with people that we don't get along with. The, the question is, how do you leave a favorable impression, number one? Number two, 
is why are they the reference that you're giving out? Number three, if you know somebody's going to say something bad about you, it's called a backdoor reference. When a potential employer calls somebody you didn't give them to call, they're going to call them. You should preface that and say, "Can I give you? I want to give you guys a heads up. The person I'm going to give you is my direct boss, and I'm confident they'll say really good things about me. However, if you talk to the president of the company, they're not going to because I left. I gave them four weeks' notice, so on and so forth. You've got to have a real story to tell that can be validated. If you just say, they don't like me because we didn't get along, that doesn't really give me a reason. Tell me about a project you did for them that was exemplary and that they still didn't like you, and who can I talk to to validate that? So, and you bring up a good point. I mean, with LinkedIn, it is fairly easy, again, to see who you've worked for in a certain company. So even if you don't give that person as one of your official references, no one's to say they can't be called. No, people are going to find out. And and that's why exiting on good terms is, is so important. Uh, I'm I was going to say, that's in, why you shouldn't link in with your boss. But the, no, you're going to, no, I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> but, but I wish it were that easy right, yeah. to, to, to not do that. But you've got to, I'm a big believer, give more than two weeks notice. Right. And have have that in your in your resignation letter that you're giving more than two weeks notice. Create a story of why you're leaving and what you did to make the situation better when you're there. And I don't mean create it as in fabricate. Create it as in reality. Live that and and exit on great terms. What did you do that you helped that company? How did you add value? Your number one thing you should be able to answer in any job interview is I added value to my company by doing A, B, and C. And the results were X, Y, and Z, raises, promotions, or being ignored and getting passed over because of whatever political situation was going on. But you've got to be able to have that information. Mm-hmm. So so is your advice then to, to just put it out there up front, whether or not you know if they're going to call that person? Yeah, I would say. Listen, there was some a lot of a lot of, of of internal politics over there, and there were there were two factions. And I left because my allegiance was over here, and I knew that there was a roadblock over here. It shows that you have thought and perspective on what was going on there versus the petty response of they didn't like me, I didn't like them. Mm-hmm. Life is usually not that simple. Yeah, and I will say to you, and I'm I'm curious about um, your thoughts on this, Tom. Like for me, if as a hiring manager or a recruiter, a neutral reference might as well be a bad reference. I would agree 100. percent Now, I also don't think it's a bad thing. I've gotten references where they go, "Oh, Dawn was terrific, so sharp, so smart. She just didn't get along with the vice president." She was really good. The vice president's got one way of going about things. Dawn's was different, but she's terrific. Right. That's fine. Uh, The the higher level you get that sometimes when you're working with somebody on strategic things that you have to get done and it's a it's a point of opinion versus tactical skills. A lot of times personalities are going to come into play. Mm -hmm. You got to be open and upfront about that. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like that's becoming more of an issue that people like politically and and all of those things are kind of getting in the way. And and I don't know. I feel like that's happening more and more. And it, it just could be a vibe I'm getting. But are you seeing anything to that nature? Well, I think it's been that way for a long time. It's really, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that stability on the resume is really important. And and stability isn't two or three years. Stability is four plus years. Now, do I think that when you're right out of college, if you have a job for 18 months or two years and you didn't like it, that's a little bit different. But if you're 35, old, 35 or older and the longest job you've had is three years, there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. There's a problem there. 
Hey, if you're just tuning in, we are here with Tom Gimble, who is the founder and CEO of LaSalle Network, a staffing, recruiting, and human resources consulting firm based in Chicago. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and you are listening to Career Talk. Is 2017 your year to get a raise, to get a new job? Or maybe just to figure out what you want to do next, you are on the right channel. We're taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. But now we're going to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz? There's a quiz? Okay. About 8% of men have this which prevents them from getting a job in certain occupations, including as electricians, commercial drivers, and copy technicians. 8% of men have this, which prevents them from getting a job in certain occupations, including electricians, commercial drivers, and copy technicians. Think you know? We want to hear from you. 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111. We'll be right back. There's a quiz?
You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. And welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here every Thursday live on SiriusXM Channel 111, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, career director here at Wharton. And if you would like more great advice, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham or sign up for my weekly blogs, Dawn on careers.com. We are here with Tom Gimble, who is the founder and CEO of LaSalle Network, which is a staffing, recruiting, and human resources consulting firm based in Chicago. So, Tom, we're talking about all kinds of those like little fall through the cracks questions, and it is Groundhog Day. So I have to I have to kind of dive back in with, with a, another Groundhog trivia. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I've got Google up. Let's I'm, do it. I'm, I'm ready. You, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. It's a myth. This is true or false. It's a myth that groundhogs hibernate. False. Groundhogs do hibernate. They do. They do. They eat lots and lots of food all summer, become very fat, and then sleep all winter. Um, why can't we have that life? That sounds pretty good. <laughs> I got the fat part, though. <laughs> So we are going to go to Mary in Missouri. Mary, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Thank you. Um, I was I just overheard or I was just listening to Tom saying that if you're over 35, you should stay in a job for, you know, at least three years. Now, that to me, that would be ideal. But right now I'm in like a marketing field in the medical um, arena, and it seems like people in my business stick around for a year or two years or I left uh, a job after only being there a year and a half and was hoping I would you know spend the rest of my life there uh, my working career there and I left because they changed the compensation like the what you're you're getting paid for after you know a year after keeping you there for so long and to me it almost seems like um Anymore, when I talk to people, people are not there even a year. Whether you're younger or whether you're old, it seems like they you get hired. And I tell you, it seems like people are changing. Once they're in there, they're changing the way you're getting compensated as far as commission structures and things like that. And some people are complacent and they'll stay. But I'm one that, you know what, you hired me. This was what you hired me at and i'm not going to stick around i'm going to go look for who's going to compensate me the most for all my hard work so mary you bring up you bring up an interesting point that um i think the and and tom you've probably seen these statistics too i Uh mean the tenure average tenure in a job anymore is something like 4.2 years and for millennials it's it's about half that so we've we've kind of been tracking those statistics and i think that's on both sides i mean obviously um mary i think you're right in certain industries i have friends in certain industries that just you know especially like in the housing market and other things like that to just constantly turn over. But um, Tom, I want to give you a, a chance to respond to Mary because I, I just wanted to make sure I point that out that, that tenure in jobs is going down. So it's an interesting trend. 
Well, I, I think there's a lot that goes into it, and there were a lot of points that you made on your your call of what happened to you and what you feel. And I do believe that you know companies do change comp structures, and if somebody bait and switches you and says, "Hey, we're going to pay you seventy five grand a day in a year and a half," they go, "Now we're going to pay you forty, and you're doing a sales job." That's that's a very different situation. However, companies do change comp plans. It does happen, and hopefully, there's an understanding of why and what the upside is. And there's a lot of good companies that change comp plans, but it's really no different than employee coming in and saying a year and a half later, pounding the desk and saying, I want more money, right? It, it is a two-way street, and there's got to be empathies on, on empathy on both sides of, of the equation. I don't think people that stay at a job are necessarily complacent, uh, as the caller mentioned. What I do believe is you've got to be asking yourself, am I being challenged? Are there new opportunities internally that I'm taking on? Are there things that I'm adding value to in the company? Now, what the caller didn't say, and I'm not sure if she's still on or not, was um, do you have a job now after leaving that company? And those are, those are, that's a very important aspect. If you quit a job without having a job, if you ended up becoming a long-term unemployed, and what the potential upside was of the change in compensation. It's very easy to focus on what I'm losing, but the, 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 the most successful people I know always look and say, what is the opportunity that exists? And Mary, I'm glad you brought, um, brought up these issues because I think there's a couple of, of key things in there, Tom, that I want, I want to pull out. And, um, you know, it, it is obviously the tenure of, of companies is changing and, and you know, people are changing changing jobs and deciding they want to do different things. And, um, you know, you own a company. And Tom, from what I hear, like my next job is going to be at your company if you'll hire me. Um, but the fact that you're not hiring your mom, <laughs> how much that says for me. I think you're nice and but I mean, your your company has a culture that is is very different from what I see in a lot of of, of organizations. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, our, our culture. So we've we've I appreciate the compliment. We've won a lot of culture based awards um, that that go out from different publications. But I always say when I give talks or, or speeches, Dawn, is that we're only a great place to work for people that like our culture. And a lot of people don't. We're a big celebratory. We're a sales driven organization. Um, and, and we've got a high millennial population. A lot of people don't want any of those three or, or don't want a few of those three things. And so I think that's important to realize is that a company could have a terrible reputation, but if you're doing a job you like and you like your manager there, then it's good for you. It's kind of like a TV show or music. Just because everybody else likes classic rock doesn't mean you have to. And, and, and so the, the, the important thing is to focus on the work you're going to be doing and the person you're going to be working the most closely with or people that you're going to be working the most closely with, because those are the issues. And, and stay away from the things that are, you know, I've seen people, and I'm not saying location isn't important. It's very important. But would you rather be close to home in a job you hate or have an hour commute and love what you do? And those are the issues, those are the challenges you've got to talk about before you get in the job hunt, not during. Yeah. Too late when you get an offer. Exactly. And there's there are so many things that, like, I mean, finding the ideal job, I think everybody's shy like definitely aim for the ideal job, but in the same way a company will never get an ideal candidate, you're not going to find the ideal job. So what are the trade-offs? The other thing is looking at the market. I think, um, Mary, you you bring up some, some interesting points that bring up other topics for me, but the market is changing. We're shifting towards the gig economy and people, you know, having more of a portfolio career and, and not staying at companies as long and cultures are changing and, and you know, some some jobs are being taken over by computers and all this stuff. So I think one of the things that's critical, if you've whatever profession you're in, if you've not taken a 
moment to step back and look at the market and ask yourself, how is this going to impact what I do? Because what you do is important, but there's so many other factors, Tom, like you were saying about the people you work with, uh, you know, the commute. Do you have autonomy? I mean, what are those things that are important to you? How is the market changing that impacts your type of work? And what choices do you need to make to make sure that you stay in the situation that you want? Mary, thank you so much for giving a call. We'd love, love, love people to respond, point, counterpoint. That's what this show is about. We want to make sure we're here for our listeners. So if you've got a question or a comment, you can give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So many, many, many topics to talk about, Tom. And we're going to go to Tammy in Wisconsin. Tammy, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you? Hi, Tammy. Okay. Oh, there you are. Okay, my phone is going in and out. Sorry. Hi, thank you. Try to stay very Um, still, Tammy. Yeah, I know. I'm like very, very still at this point. Um, I have a friend who um, went for a position and did not get to pick his position because she didn't have a degree. She had the experience. So, so yeah, she you're cutting out, but I'm I'm hearing what you're saying. She had a um, she's passed over because she had experience, but not the degree. And I'm really glad you brought this up, Tammy, because it was actually one of the things on on my list of topics to bring up today with you, Tom. Which is, I know, I know, no, know that it's so true that companies value experience over degrees, but yet they still hire people with degrees over experience. And I, I think it's such a like backwards screwed up thing why is that tom well there's certain it goes beyond so a lot of companies have policies and so if if this policy across the company one position isn't enough to override a corporate policy that we're going to have that everybody has that so they keep it keep it standard that way all of a sudden now you say we're going to hire people who don't have degrees and you flood you open the floodgates of everybody applying for jobs who who doesn't have a degree so it sometimes it's just a matter of efficiency of being able to 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 say in order to to make the process happen in a quick and timely manner we've got to rule out a certain percentage of the population and if we do it at this position then what other areas are we doing it to so there there are some reasons to that and in addition just because you have the experience doesn't mean you're going to fit in another culture. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. And the same way that you say, you know, I always try to get people on the, on the candidate side and the job seeker side, Dawn, to think about if they're hiring somebody to take care of their baby or an elderly parent right? What are you willing to give up that you feel is mandatory in that case? Would you hire somebody to take care of your kid who needed a flexible schedule? Of course not, because you need somebody to be there when you're at work, right? And those are the same things that hiring managers in B2B situations look at, and one of them may be a college degree for a variety of reasons. Interesting. I like that analogy. What would you do if you were hiring someone to take care of your your child or parent or very cute little eight-pound Siamese cat? Um, (laughs) Eight pounds seems kind of big for a cat. What? You've never had a cat. No, I have not. Eight pounds is... is... I've never had a ground dog either. That didn't stop the conversation. (laughs) Well, now that I find out how clean they are, I I might... I might trade her out, but no, I would never do that. <laughs> All right, last groundhog trivia since you brought it up. Okay, true or false, Tom? The groundhog is also known as a woodchuck. False. <laughs> that is so true. True? Um, yeah. 
That is so true. You know what I always say? How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck woodchuck could oh, chuck? Oh God, you almost got it, Tom. Try almost. again. Try again. Come on. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Fabulous, fabulous. We're gonna we're gonna take that that tape and play it over and over <laughs> and over you. on that's Twitter. All I, that's all I need out there. But yeah, so the groundhog is also known as a woodchuck. So if you never knew what a woodchuck was, it's a groundhog, and it's actually a member of the squirrel family. Okay, well, if you've been listening to the show, you now have more groundhog knowledge than you probably ever want in your lifetime. So we're going to go to David in Florida. David, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you? Hey, good afternoon. Uh, I've been in uh, the same career for my uh, most of my working adult life, and I have uh, worked for five different companies. The most recent, I've been there uh, just shy of 13 years. It's a great company. They treat me very well. Uh, I, uh, I continually make good bonuses with them every year. Uh, but I've been waiting about 10 years for my next promotion, and uh, they have uh, lost a few people through attrition and had problems replacing them. And uh, other than this, this one area, uh, everything's perfect. I have a lot of latitude. I basically self-direct and manage myself, so I have a lot of, of freedom to, uh, to do what I need to do as long as I get the job done. And uh, I'm just thinking at my age, looking at uh, a few years to retirement, that uh, looking at making a major change or a different company might not be the best resource but in my uh, course of action, but... Am I limiting myself too much by not at least exploring that? Right. So, okay, so you're waiting for your next promotion. You've been in this career 13 years. So the, the question is, should you should you move to another company? Tom, what is, what is your advice for David? Uh, from the cheap seats, and I always have to acknowledge that because I'm not living it and I don't know David. You stay where you're at. The, the, there's a little bit of an ego situation that you didn't get a promote. You didn't even say there was one that you wanted that you didn't get. You just said that you haven't gotten promoted. And and from my perspective, you're a few years away from retirement. Everything is great but that. I mean, that's in the scheme of things, it sounds to me like a little something. The question I would ask is, in the past three, four, five years, what have you done outside of your day-to-day job to better yourself? Have you taken a continuing ed class? Have you engaged in the company in a, in a committee or a project that was outside of your realm? Have you built relationships externally of your uh, department. You said that you're you're self-directed. Are you a one-man shop? Are there are there other groups that you could create alliances to help the company? Have you, you know, those are the types of things I would look at. Is to look in the mirror and say, as I've gotten on in in age and my tenure with the company, have I put in as much to from self-improvement as I used to 20 years ago? Yeah, it's it's. Um, I like what you're saying, Tom. It's it's, it's two-way street. But the, the the next question is, have you asked? Have you sat down with your boss and said, you know, here's something that I want and what what do I need to do to get there? What are those specific steps that I need to take? Because I think a lot of people wait for it, but in today's day and age, you have to ask. People are busy. People are not necessarily thinking about that. So, so David, one of the things I think you could do, I think Tom's advice is great to stay where you are, but think about what what tangible results you can speak with your your supervisor about and say, you know, to get a promotion within the next cycle, what are those concrete things that I can do to reach that goal? And then agree on that 
and then move forward with those. Because I do think that sometimes being proactive is the one step that people haven't done. But we wish you all the best. We really appreciate you giving us a call on Career Talk, David. And hey, if you've got a question, you can call us at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, we are live. And if you're listening to a replay, you can always tweet your question. Tweet. I can't even say that. Tweet your questions at Dr. Don Graham, and we can play them on the air. So, Kent in Pennsylvania, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you? Uh, yes. Uh, good afternoon. I um, wanted to uh, just call in. I, uh, I heard Tom uh, speaking about the uh, organizational culture piece, and that pretty much hit exactly um, something that happened for me about uh, four years ago. I was in an organization. They were amazing. The culture was great. The people were great. But you couldn't find something you didn't like. Um, so I thought this is the ideal place, but uh, essentially within about um, probably about two weeks, I realized the, the particular job I was in, um, I was going to be stuck in for at least about a year. And I, I decided just because I literally could not, um, it, it just, I couldn't really, I couldn't really relate to the job emotionally. I was, uh, you know, not, uh, it just wasn't into it. I didn't love it. So I, you know, kind of had to make some decisions and, and strategize, and I actually found um, another position um, that I really enjoyed doing uh, with another organization that was, I think, just as good. But the one I left was, like, in the top 100 for uh, best places to work. So it just really, when I heard Tom say that uh, in so many words, it just really hit home with a personal experience. I just wanted to share that, you know, making that change was a was a great move because I wouldn't have been happy despite all these wonderful people and wonderful things that were going on around me. Kent, that um, is such so a was, that's a, such a uh, uh, relatable story. That's like, wow, I work for this company. Maybe it's a brand name. Maybe it's you know, you've always wanted to work for this company and the culture, and it's known for all these great things. But the work you're doing day to day makes you want to poke your eyes out. So, what was the what, was there like one deciding factor when the day came and you're like, I've got to to cut ties here. Uh, actually, yes. Uh, there was a there was a, a point in time. You know, it, they were great with orientation, so you got to see the full gamut of the organization. And to get where I wanted to do, I had to uh, essentially be there for a while. So I realized, okay, I'll kind of like you know, um, uh, you know, put in my time. Well, the unfortunate thing was within about it was about two weeks. There was one point where we were kind of like put off, and, and you were really doing the, the physical job, and I was. Uh, after about a couple, um, you know, scenarios where I, that I went through and was performing the job functions, uh, knowing what they were beforehand, I just, I just didn't know if I'd like it until I was doing it, and I was just, it was just a red flag. I was just like, you know what, this is just not for me. And it was that voice. If you want to think of it as a voice or, um, you know, something like that, I just, I just was not uh, emotionally invested in it. And I was like, well, I need to do the responsible thing for myself because, you know, I've, I've seen some research. You know, obviously this can spill into personal life. If you're not happy at work, you're going to be less likely to be happy at home if you're in this environment that you don't like for, you know, a certain number of time. Uh, so I was very uh, aware of that. So I was like, well, I got I to gotta do that. So for me, it was like, you know, once I was kind of like, you know, I had my work list, so to speak, to do, and I was doing the job, it just, I found that very early, like within probably the first two weeks of of really doing it. Um, and I probably realized it earlier than that. I was just saying, oh, let's just give it a chance, give it a chance. But it just, 
I knew it wasn't going to change past a certain point. Hey, kudos to you, Kent, for, for first off doing that, but secondly, sharing your story, because I know there's a lot of people out there who have the same issue. Maybe it's they love the culture, they don't like the job, or maybe they love the job, but their boss is like making their life a, a living hell. And, and they're like, what? You know, I wish I could take all of these factors and mishmash them into the ideal job. But sometimes you just can't. And having the courage to, to say, you know what, um, this I, I know in my heart this isn't where I need to be. And then making that leap is is huge. It's huge. Um, so, Tom, have you ever been in that situation? You know, I, I haven't. You know, as as the employee, I've I've I, I started my company in my in my mid twenties, and you know, when I, I worked for a couple places right out of college, where I was fortunate that um, I did like the culture and I liked the job. Um, however, at the same time, I've managed people that loved our culture, and the job wasn't the right fit for them. They joined it for the the wrong reason. And and joining a you know we see this a lot in the in the tech community and and in the in Silicon Valley is that people think they want to work for Google and Facebook because they're creative and they give people a lot of autonomy and or Netflix the benefits are terrific but what are you going to be doing and who are you going to be doing it for those are the real questions that determine the satisfaction of our life it's like being married and having a house and kids and a dog sounds great if you don't like who you're married to it's not great. And, and and that's that's the same thing in any relationship driven results oriented relationship. And you've gotta you gotta look at this thing eyes wide open. Now the hard part is everybody needs to make a living. And so you've got to look at those things, but you've got to rank what your priorities are mm-hmm. and where does money fit with happiness. Mm-hmm. Kent, thank you so much for bringing up a fantastic topic that I know a lot of people are struggling with. Because here's the thing. I, I don't know what company Kent worked for, but I'm, I'm imagining if it was a well-known on that top 100 list, people are like, are you crazy? Why are you leaving this company? And that's why a lot of people stay because the, the you know socially they're pressured. Why would, you, why would you give up that well-paying job to do this? Or why would you leave this great company? to do something else and they just don't get it so you are the only one who really knows what's going to make you happy so heck follow it why not so 844 wharton it's 844-942-7866 if it's thursday we're taking your calls live i'm your host dr don graham and we're here with tom gimbel the founder and ceo of LaSalle network and now we're going to answer our pre-break quiz so The question was about 8% of men have this, which prevents them from getting a job in certain occupations, including as electricians, commercial drivers, and copy technicians. And Dion knows I'm coming to him first. I've got the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) That should make you laugh. Well, even better, even better. I just found out, Dion, that's your voice on the, it's a quiz. I didn't I, know that. I swear I thought we told you that. We I, told somebody. I, I told, so it, I they kind of looked you. like you, but we don't, who, who knows? They're like, great. I'm going to say they, they are colorblind. That is the right answer. Thank yeah. God. That I did not want to answer that. Wait, I, I, I think, oh my God, I, Wait. I'm shocked. I, I said because that I had an answer that I knew was wrong. Yes. So I thought about it, and we had callers, so I could think about it longer. All right. <laughs> Can we play like the Olympics? Yeah, the I, or, something? or Rocky. Yeah, or like like I the Tiger. I mean, I think this is my my second time getting it right. It is. It is. Yeah. See. <laughs> wow. Yes, and it's true. Color blindness. About eight percent of men, and about. 0.5% of women are red, green, colorblind. 
Occupations that test for this include electricians, copy technicians, commercial drivers, pilots, and even some factory and medical jobs, which I think makes sense, Tom, because, I mean, in a medical job, you're looking at tests and stuff like that. I mean, that could be a major problem. Well, for sure. There's, I would think in, uh, in, uh, if you were worked in, in fashion, that would probably be bad, too. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. It did not say fashion, but I, I yeah. <laughs> yep. So there you go. I, I found that fun fact, and I thought, so it goes kind of back to what we were talking about, Tom, that, you know, sometimes you just got to work with what you have in the market you have. I mean, 8% of men, that's a pretty, it's pretty significant. Um. Are you colorblind, Tom? I, as far as I know, I'm not. See? I only know it the way I see it. Though. I was going to say, yeah, you've never been in studio, so I, you know, I can't be matching exactly. up your clothes or your socks or. <laughs> I know when the sky's blue, and I know when the grass is green. All right, well, that's probably all you need to know then. <laughs> so, hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk. We're taking your calls all hour at eight four four Wharton. That's eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And we're going to go to Elizabeth in North Carolina. Elizabeth, welcome to Career Talk. Thank you for having me. Yes, thanks for calling. What's your question for us today? I've been in many interviews where people will ask me if I have kids, if I'm married, and if I intend to have kids. So I'd like to know a tactful way to answer that. Oh, that so that is so funny you say that because I just wrote a blog literally on that. Um, I think a week or two ago, dawnoncareers.com. But this is a, this is a great question because Tom, there's so many illegal questions, and and actually in Philadelphia, we've become the first city to officially ban asking for salary. So interesting how that goes. But um, Tom, what is your response for Elizabeth? Because I'm I'm sure Elizabeth, you are not the only one who's experienced this. Uh- you know, it is such an interesting question. I think there's a um, where it casually happens through the course of an hour interview, and there's no ill intent meant. I think it's very different than when somebody says it happens on every interview and that it's coming up. And and there are certain industries and certain companies. I'm not naive or, or ignorant to the fact that that there are companies that discriminate on on certain issues. You know, my my full uh, my my perspective on that is one of if somebody's going to judge you on that, then you probably don't want to work there. And if you don't want to work there, then be truthful with them, and they're not going to offer you the job anyway. Yeah. And and the other, real quick, don't interrupt you. I'm sorry, but the other thing is, you may be wrong, right? You may think they're being discriminatory in asking you the question. They may just be curious, and you may say, "I have three kids," and you may get the job offer. Right. So sometimes people are just stupid and stupid and illegal may sometimes go hand in hand when it comes to employment law. But if they're going to I guess my point is, if they're going to be that way, they're going to be that way. And you don't want to work there anyway. So give them the truthful answer and move on with the conversation. And if you don't want to work there, then that's a place you shouldn't be at. It's a, it ends up being a culture issue. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, and Tom, I'm going to zone in on one thing you, you said. Here's, here's the deal, Elizabeth, that I've experienced. So I have been a recruiter and I have been trained extensively. But if you think about it, line managers maybe interview and hire two, three people a year. Their primary job is, is accounting or marketing or, or whatever their job is. So they're not as well-trained. And I usually say for candidates, unless it's egregious and clearly meant um, 
as as out of line, which most cases I hope it's not, that you assume that they are making a mistake and that they're asking, as Tom mentioned, maybe just a casual question or assume they're they're asking a question about something else. So, for example, if the job you're applying to requires a lot of travel and you're asked that question, you might say, you know, I, you know, one of the things I'm sensing is you might be concerned about my travel, but, you know, I'm super excited about getting my passport stamped or whatever that thing is and kind of deflecting it and giving them the opportunity to to be like, oops, that was probably not the right question to ask. Because I think the second you say um, anything to the effect of, well, that's an illegal question, I mean, right. bam, you're, you're, you've lost that connection to the person and they're they're now scared and embarrassed. So my thought is going with the understanding that they're probably not extensively trained in interviews. They don't really know um, either that it's illegal or they're asking you something else and you might just say, hey, I, I, I'm not really sure what you're asking hey, me. Can you John, rephrase John, it? Yeah. If I can add one more thing to it. If you go under my, my analogy of the, uh, the babysitter or the elderly parent. Yes. I wonder how many people would ask the babysitter the exact same question. Mm. Interesting, interesting. And we're going to end on that. Elizabeth, thank you for bringing up something that I know a lot of people had a question on. And Tom, the time goes by so quickly. We are at the end of our time. But can you please let people know if they want to learn more about you and LaSalle Network, where they can reach you? Absolutely. You can find us at uh, LaSalleNetwork.com, L-A-S-A-L-L-E Network.com. You can follow us on Twitter at LaSalle Network. You can follow me for career advice as well as definitely a lot of Cubs information uh, at Tom Gimble on Twitter. (laughs) And soon to be groundhog information, too. (laughs) Absolutely. Tom, it's been so fun to have you on the show. As always, we look forward to the next time you come back to Career Talk. Michelle and Dion, thank you for an awesome show. And Dion got the quiz question right. Ding, 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 ding. So, hey, you've been listening to Career Talk. We're on Sirius XM Channel 111, and we're live every Thursday at noon Eastern time with several replays throughout the week. But if you want more great advice, you can follow my blog, dawnoncareers.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. We will see you next time.